Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow and welcome to Tech Interviews. This week we revisit an old friend as we chat compliance. So settle back and enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to another episode of Tech Interviews. Uh, this is a show that I've been wanting to do for quite a while um, based on some uh, some really interesting technology um, pieces that I've been doing recently with uh, Microsoft's cloud platforms, Office 365, Azure, um, around building uh, tools to assist you in, in compliance. Um, and what I've been looking for is, is somebody from Microsoft to come and help me um, explore kind of Microsoft's business compliance tools and Microsoft's um, business compliance strategy and approach. Uh, and I have indeed found that person uh, who is my guest today. Uh, so I'd like to introduce her. So uh, hi, Stephanie. How are you? Hello. Um, I'm good. Thank you very much. So I'm Stephanie, Stephanie Jacobs from Microsoft, and I am a technology solution professional. Um, that's a technical pre-sales resource um, for those who are not familiar with Microsoft acronyms. And uh, I support uh, the public sector organization um, within Microsoft uh, from a regulatory compliance point of view and a collaboration point of view. Okay, so um, so th- oh, thanks, Stephanie, and, and welcome to the show. And um, so, so you get a little bit of a, a kind of a, a headline of, of your role. Um, and but you know, before before we start talking a bit more detail of that, do you want to kind of give because um, we've talked a little bit um, off air about your background? Do you, do you want to just kind of share a little bit about your background and how you've um, ended up in the, the role that you now do at Microsoft? Yes, certainly. So I've been looking after regulatory compliance in a variety of different industries for quite a number of years. Um, uh, I always say jokingly, this is uh, probably for longer than I care to admit, but realistically, it's something in the region of 15, 16, uh, 17, maybe 18 years. So uh, quite a long time. Uh, I always say this has been um, one of those things where uh, perhaps only new age hippies or people, you know, who wear socks and sandals have been really interested in back in the old days. But uh, yeah, uh, it is now a fashionable subject, especially with regulations such as the G GDPR um, upon us. Um, so yes, it's been quite a long time. And uh, really, initially in the old days, when we did say regulatory compliance, uh, that was geared towards the uh, retention management typically of data that is held within organizations and perhaps more importantly what happens after the sort of retention time expires following um, the, uh, the sort of classification of that data and uh, one of the key problems always has been what I call the fear of the delete button, right? So you've determined something needs to be kept for three years, eight years, 20 years, whatever it might be. But uh, if that uh, timestamp then arrives, what do you do with that data? Will you delete it or not? And uh, the typical response used to be uh, no, uh, because we never know. Someone might come and ask me for it later. So that has always been a problem historically. I love the phrase fear of the delete button. Um, I've not heard that before, but um, <laughs> yes, I, I will be stealing that and using that on a regular basis. Please I do. think. Um, yes, <laughs> but, but I think that's very true, isn't it? That um, one of the issues, uh, and, and before we set up this call, we were, we were talking um, about some of the issues that I think we see in, in businesses that we work with and organizations we work with. That I think one of the things that's, that's driven um, a, a different view of data management actually has been that kind of uncontrolled growth of data. And as you say, that fear of the delete button um, has been 
uh, one of the drivers behind the kind of the, the huge growth in data that we have. Um, so um, yeah, uh, so, so let, let, let's move a little bit into our uh, kind of, uh, our topic of, of kind of compliance and um, and where Microsoft sits in there, where some Microsoft technologies might be able to help. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe before we jump into technologies, so so can can you give us a bit of a view of of how Microsoft see compliance? You know, so um, you know we, we were talking before about uh, kind of the support you get from Microsoft in your kind of uh, view of how you want to help to help organizations to drive their their business compliance so so I mean so what is Microsoft view how do Microsoft see compliance you know how how core do they see that to the everyday activities of their customers I think um, the view of Microsoft as an organization really has changed over the year maybe eight over the last year maybe the last 18 months or so and uh, I guess the sort of crunch issue that we faced was when we did the uh, fiscal year planning last year. So our fiscal year, as you may know, starts at the 1st of July, so roughly about a year ago now. Um, And I was sitting in a room um, and we were discussing what we're going to be focusing on um, uh, next year when we talk to our customers and uh, one of the sales directors uh, basically said, oh yeah, we have to focus on security. And um, Everything is about security in twenty uh, in the in the rest of twenty seventeen and uh, twenty eighteen because of the advent of uh, GDPR, and um, I quite puzzled looked at him and said, "But um, isn't there a little bit more than just security to to uh, the GDPR or regulatory compliance as a whole? Um, if you're looking at some of the tenants within the GDPR, like um, the right to be forgotten or, or uh, the, the sort of issue around data rectification, for example, that really has nothing to do with security, at least not for me. And um, he looked at me and uh, smiled and said, well, this is a great new view of looking at things. And it sort of progressed from there. And I had uh, the sort of uh, company director call me at some point to to tell me that uh, apparently it trickled up the line. So there was really a a shift in the way and how we see uh, regulatory compliance as an organization. And we're moving away from just seeing it as a security-based approach. It definitely is a um, more encompassing view now that has a certain security element to it. I mean, encryption is one of the only technologies actually specifically mentioned in the text of the GDPR, for example, um, where uh, uh, we used to um, uh, really neglect um, e-discovery, data retention, other data data management and information governance uh, components as uh, something that is, um, you know, not a security, uh, doesn't have a security focus as such. And then, uh, of course, there is uh, the other um, uh, view that has changed, and that really has to do with um, GDPR or regulatory compliance being uh, what we call a shared responsibility. And that's something that you can't just pawn off to oh someone who manages regulatory compliance within an organization. It really is everyone's responsibility to know uh, what sort of personal identifiable information um, they are managing, they are interacting with on a daily basis as part of their job role, uh, all the way from uh, this receptionist uh, 
to the CEO or uh, other company leadership uh, positions within the organization. And that includes, of course, regulatory compliance uh, teams such as compliance administrators, um, data protection officers, and so on, but also includes business uh, owners, business decision makers, because they are really in charge of the company processes within an organization. And that kind of brings me to the last sort of leg of this uh, answer, which is the uh, sort of famous triangle of people, processes and technology that make up uh, any kind of regulatory compliance. And uh, while we at Microsoft like to think that technology is very, very important in this uh, triangle, I think the onus is really on the processes. Um, the processes need to be in place, the people need to be trained on those processes, and then you can go ahead and utilize the technology that is available today to really facilitate those processes and make sure that they are adhered to um, in, you know, with, with the appropriate intent and appropriate result. Well, and, and anybody who's um, listened to, to previous episodes of this show uh, and some of the shows that we've done around compliance, um, particularly with my uh, my good friend Sheila Fitzpatrick, um, I, I think we'll we'll understand all of those things. And I think it, it, it's always useful that, um, and it's always a useful reminder that I think for many of us that we often, uh, because we work in a technology industry as well, I think as you said, we'll we'll often look as technology being the first step of um, any kind of compliance. And I think that piece there is really important about security and compliance. Compliance are two completely different things. Although security can play a part in your compliance, being you know having a secure network perimeter does not necessarily well will not make you um, a, an organisation that adheres to compliance regulations, whether that's GDPR or or, or any other con compliance regulation that you might need to adhere to. Um, so, so I think that, you know that's a that's a real positive that obviously that, that Microsoft see it that way as well. Um, I mean, is, is that one of the um, you, you're talking there kind of people and processes? I mean, is that one of the biggest challenges that you come across in your work that um, people want to jump straight into the technology? Is it sometimes looking at that piece that says, how do we educate the rest of the businesses? Is that one of the bigger challenges that you see? Yes, absolutely. That is the case. And um, I can probably tell you many stories, but one that's quite at the forefront of my mind is uh, the one where I went to a customer meeting uh, with the intention, uh, as it was requested, uh, to talk about uh, data loss prevention, just as, a, as, as one of the, the sort of technology where Microsoft uh, can help with. And um, in the course of the meeting, in the course of the presentation, it turned out that what the customer wanted wasn't really data loss prevention as we understood it. So there's certainly an element of, you know, terminology in there as well. What they were more interested in is preventing data from being printed, preventing um, the wrong people having access to the data uh, as such. So because of that, uh, it turned out to be more of a rights management uh, uh, discussion in the end. So again, terminology is another one of those uh, problems that we need to identify and uh, really uh, source out in order to advise the customer appropriately. Uh, in technology, I always say there are multiple ways to skin a cat, right? And you can prevent, uh, uh, you know, people, the wrong people from accessing certain inf uh, certain information in, in a multitude of different ways, physical means, um, encryption, uh, rights management, data loss prevention, just to name a couple of technologies here that are all available as part of the Office 365 cloud offering. 
Um, so, you know, there, there, there are so many different ways of doing that. Uh, there is, um, you know, no right or wrong way. It really depends on the circumstance and the requirements. So I think you made a, a really interesting point in there, um, amongst a load of interesting points. Uh, I think when we were talking before we started recording, uh, that, that it, it feels like we've we've read the same book almost here. Um, uh, and I think we, we you know, we believe, believe lots of the routes to, to delivering compliance. Um, I, you know, I think we, lots of similarities in the way that we've approached this. Um, but, but one of the things that um, you talked about in there was actually that thing about terminology. And I think that's a really interesting point. Um, and because and, and, we'll dive into technology in a minute, because you, you kind of alluded to some of the stuff there that I think that Microsoft can assist with. Um, but that piece about terminology, I, 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 any, any suggestions for, you know, so for, if people are looking at, because we can talk about compliance and compliance is this kind of all com- encompassing uh, kind of idea. I mean, is there any, any guidelines that you, you think of or that you, you normally share with people you're dealing with that when they want to talk about compliance. Is there any way that you can help them to kind of define exactly what it is they mean? You know, is there some things that they should be looking at before they just kind of jump on the the compliance bus and say, oh, I just need to deal with compliance? Yes, absolutely. And uh, I guess there's, there's, there's really uh, two things. First of all, you may know that the mission statement of Microsoft as a whole is to uh, empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. And on the note of terminology, that can mean a lot of things to a great many people. It is absolutely important that when we have meetings with our customers, that when we talk to our customers, is not to assume that what they are saying is or means exactly what what, uh, Microsoft means, um, uh, thinks it means. It's imperative that you get them to explain to you exactly what it is that they are looking to achieve. And very, very often I go into meetings about regulatory compliance and they say, yes, we've, we've used, I don't know, SharePoint in, in this way. Can we continue to do this? And it is then a matter of showing them what's new, what's exciting, what, what other ways of, you know, skinning that cat there is. And then they go, it's like, oh, I had no idea that uh, Office 365 or Azure or, you know, not even just Microsoft products, any product out there can do X, Y, and Z. And that can then change and drive uh, an improvement of uh, the existing processes that they may have in place today. And I think it is very important to not just accept at face value that they would like to do something a certain way, but also challenge them and say, actually, there may be a better way of doing that. If you agree, let me show you. Yeah, and I think that um, I think that defining what what it is you, that you need to be able to do, uh, and, and I feel we're being particularly harsh on cats today, um, with, with with skinning them in a variety of ways. But um, <laughs> yes. um, it's um, I'm a dog person, so so normally I'm okay with that. But but I know we have lots of cat listeners. Um, so um, but you know, but I, but I think that idea of, of defining the terminology and defining exactly what people are trying to achieve is is, is hugely important. Um, and I think that's a nice lead into actually some of the technology aspects um, and, and some of the things that 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 led to me wanting wanting to, um, to, to, to do this episode and have this conversation uh, was around some of the things that I think are available to people from a technology point of view that can help once they've defined exactly what it is they're trying to do that can help them to deliver that. Uh, and I think, as you said before, actually, that there are solutions there that can help to uh, either enforce or help to deliver a, a compliance program that people are just kind of unaware of. So, so I mean, can you give me some examples of some of the things then that, that we can do with Microsoft technology, be that in Office 365 and Azure, maybe some on-prem 
CRM stuff that, that can help um, organizations who have got a, a compliance strategy, have started to develop their people education, start to develop their policies and procedures, but are now looking mm -hmm. for some way to, to help them to deliver that and, and to deliver that across a, an organization. Yes, yeah, certainly. So uh, at Microsoft, we are following a, a type of framework when we're looking at regulatory compliance, and it is really a four-step process, really. Um, and the, the first step is the discover phase, and that's not e-discovery as such. It is more of a understanding the status quo and uh, where you are today um, so that we know exactly what steps we need to undertake in order to get you to um, the sort of space of utopia, be it um, uh, compliant uh, with a specific regulation or, um, you know, any, any kind of focus that you're looking to achieve. We need to understand first where we are today. And there are a number of technologies available to help you with that. And uh, I guess Predominantly, uh, I'm thinking about the um, AIP or Azure Information Protection Scanner here, which can not only check uh, all the data that you have within the Office 365 substrate, but it can also help you uncover uh, data that you've got uh, on premises. And I'm talking mostly about unstructured data here. So data that is not in a database, data such as PDF files, Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, text files, PDF files, etc that might be sitting on any kind of file server within your organization. And the great thing about the AIP scanner is that it not only supports Windows operating systems, but anything um, that can be accessed through a UNC file path, such NetApp filers or, um, um, you know, the old EMC, Centeras, that sort of stuff can be accessed as well. Um, an inventory can then be created and that helps you identify where you are today. The second step would then be the um, management process. So this is where we then look at um, the traditional compliance functionality, things like um, data governance around how long you want to keep data for, sort of retention management uh, of things. Um, but also uh, poten potentially the disposal at the end of this. Remember, we talked about the fear of the delete button at the end. So about 18, 20 months ago, um, Microsoft launched the uh, Security and Compliance Center as part of the Office 365 offering that's available no matter which version of Office 365 you have. And this is really where the magic around regulatory compliance happens. This is where you will find capability around setting up data loss prevention capabilities, e-discovery, subject access request or uh, data subject request as we call it in the tool set. This is where you can configure uh, data classification from a data retention point of view and so on. So again, have a look at that if you have an interest in uh, regulatory compliance as part of your role within your organization. And then the third step of this four-step process is the data protection side of things. So this is when you then look at the traditional security aspects around protecting the data. So your antivirus, your anti-malware, encryption capabilities, um, identity management, of course, as well, is very key. So the identity, as you may know, within our cloud business now resides in Azure as part of Azure Active Directory. 
And of course, that can communicate with your on-premise Active Directory as well. If you've got a hybrid environment uh, using um, either AD Connect or using uh, AD Federation Services, Active Directory Federation Services, and then lastly, um, you also need to be in a position to prove that what you said you were going to do, you have actually done so. So the whole reporting of it. So uh, if you do have uh, a breach of some sort, uh, you can retrace the steps, identify any gaps within your processes or technology, and then uh, go ahead and fix them and have the tool set available to understand what is going on in, in your environment. And there's this, this sort of little joke that we sometimes make from this point of view as well. There are two kinds of customers, one, uh, one, ones that uh, know that they've been hacked and the others who don't. Uh, but uh, there is almost no if uh, in, in terms of breaches. It's, it's almost a when discussion because um, with technology, you can do almost anything today. And it's really all about protecting yourself and making yourself as hard as possible to crack, <laughs> if you like. Um, and, um, you know, really detract any kind of malicious person from accessing the data and thereby being in a very good position um, to, to follow this four-step process, report uh, and audit if necessary, and have this uh, peace of mind that you're doing um, a good thing for your compliance posture as a whole. Yeah, and I thought that, you know, I, I think that four-step process actually is, is, is really smart, you know, and, and actually it's nice and straightforward to simple. And I think it's really interesting the amount of Microsoft technologies that you've got available to you that can help into delivering each of those elements, you know, but it also it also covers what we said at the start, which is actually this is about policy and procedure, you know, so if we think about everything we've just done there, that that is a procedural approach to that, isn't it? You know, we've we've done the discovery bit, which, and as you say, is not about necessarily just technolo technology saying, show me all the files that I've got and where they might be and who might have access to them. Actually, your discovery piece starts well beyond before that, which is to say, let me understand how I currently collect data, what I currently do with it, what my retention periods are etc um I, I just wanted to delve a little bit though but kind of before we wrap up i just want to delve a little bit into that kind of security and compliance center in, in office 365 because I, I i get the feeling it's a, it's a well-hidden sure. secret um and it's got some some very very valuable tools in there because i think one of the things while we've been talking that's, that's kind of been at the back of my mind with this is that i think often we look at compliance and security as something about keeping out the bad guy you know keeping out somebody who is trying to do something malicious with our data and that could just be a piece of code that's trying to do something malicious a ransomware attack for example or could be somebody looking to maliciously do something with our code either the wrong person having the, the wrong access to the wrong data but what interests me in that security and compliance center is that a lot of that actually is about um, and this is something i talk to companies quite a lot about is the idea that actually the right person might have the right access to the right data, but by accident have done the wrong thing with it. Um, and I think in that security and compliance center, there's actually some quite neat capabilities within there to help uh, customers to avoid the right person with the right access data just doing the wrong thing, be that by mistake. And sometimes maybe it is maliciously, but but by mistake, you know. So so if you've got some examples of where people have used those kind of capabilities to, uh, you know, to almost to protect their people from themselves. Yes, all the time, really. And um, I think when we're looking at the Security and Compliance Centre, it is quite important to note that we are really trying to move away from looking at a 
data in a siloed approach. So we are looking to move away from configuring any kind of data loss prevention, for example, uh, capabilities as part of the exchange administration console or the uh, SharePoint administration console. The, the great thing about the Security and Compliance Center is, is that it looks at the data and it doesn't really matter any longer uh, whether it was um, sent as an attachment, as an email, or whether it was stored in some sort of SharePoint library or OneDrive for business a directory uh, by another person somewhere else. So it doesn't really matter anymore where it is stored as long as it is within the Office 365 substrate. And leading on from that, uh, it also means that uh, people's processes in terms of where the data is stored, how the data is stored, etc., typically change as a result. So they may not need to um, manually label something or manually tag something in SharePoint or manually move something into a specific mailbox in Exchange. All of those things are perhaps no longer absolutely necessary, and that sometimes includes encourages people to become a little bit, uh, shall we say, lax with uh, the directive that they're getting in order to uh, treat the data as it should be treated. So as you know, to, to support this, there's a variety of different capabilities uh, within Office 365 and specifically the Security and Compliance Center to help with this. One is the already mentioned data loss prevention capability, where we're looking for um, uh, specific uh, common phrases. Uh, we're looking or we're, we're calling them um, sensitive information types within the Office 365 console. And really what that is, is we're looking for repeatable patterns such as um, NHS numbers, uh, credit card numbers. So if it starts with a four and it's 16 digits long, we know it is a visa card number, that sort of thing, right? Um, and uh, if it then detects this pattern within an email, within an attachment, within a file somewhere, um, it will automatically then um, carry out a process that could be something like prevent this from being sent outside of the organization, prevent it from being shared as part of the SharePoint library or with an external person or uh, allow Fred to open it, but not Bob. You know, that sort of stuff can be configured. But there's also... Um, a sort of less strict approach that you could deploy um, uh, deploy uh, as part of the um, Office 365 Security and Compliance Center, and that is the supervisory review, where you can only look at perhaps a percentage of all of the communication that has gone out, maybe 40%, maybe 10%. It's obviously configurable, where you're making sure that the quality of the data is appropriate. So think about call centers, think about um, maybe public response teams uh, to incidents or to sales or to marketing activities, and making sure that the right information in the right way is given to your customers, to your citizens, whoever they might be. So again, you know, there's a wide variety of different things that you can do with a variety of different um, strength and strictness in, in terms of how you can reply or respond to these type of incidents. Yeah, I, I think that, again, a couple of very important things in there as well. I, I think that idea that, um, and certainly when I've looked at security and compliance and, and, and we've deployed some of this stuff within our organization, because I think it's one of those things it's so it, it, that kind of stuff, lots of that kind of stuff is already templated and pre-done. So it's, you know, as you're saying, looking for things like national insurance numbers or NHS information, um, 
uh, and and there's a whole bunch of things in there for across uh, well across the world isn't there there's a, there's a bunch of global templates already built that look for certain types of information but these kind of things are things that are actually really easy to turn on and as we become more compliance aware and more uh, data compliance focused that actually these things are things that we we should be looking to turn on in our organizations that will just help you know they're not a replacement at all as we said for Good people, you know, good people education, good policies and procedures, uh, but they are they are a help. Um, and, and the other thing that you said in there as well about actually these things are not reliant on us just building kind of static templates. There is a level of intelligence in there that will look for certain types of things. So things like, as you said, data classification, the fact that we can automate the classification, looking on certain file types within there. So, so I think all that stuff's really important and, and really valuable. Um, and and you said before just to um, confirm that, that this actually this, these kind of capabilities are available to anybody who's got Office 365. It doesn't matter particularly which type of subscription they've got. Th those capabilities are there for them. At least the, um, uh, the, the Office, the, the, the Security and Compliance Center uh, is available to everyone. Some of the more advanced capabilities such as the uh, automation around data classification um, is part of what we call the uh, E5 subscription model. Um, manual um, labeling or manual classification is available to uh, E3 and above uh, customers as well. Uh, data loss prevention is an E3 capability. Um, E-discovery, data subject requests, etc. are part of the E3 subscription model. So it really depends on what sort of requirements individual customers have and the level of automation that is required as part of the classification and or data protection methodology, uh, it will fit uh, within their uh, subscription model. And of course, we are we're happy to look at individual cases as and when uh, the requirements come up. Well, well so as we, as we come to the end of our time here, I, I think it's always useful in a in a bit of a summary for, for people who may be listening to this and thinking um, about still building their compliance programs, still trying to understand where compliance and security and where technology might be able to help as well. Um, I mean, if, you, if you're sitting down with somebody for the first time and they're looking for maybe one or two tips of where to get started and whether that's from a technology point of view or from a, you know, a, a more a more general compliance good practice point of view, you know, is, is there some is there some tips that you would normally give people and say, actually, here's a really good place to start? Yes, I think sometimes um, it is very important to go back to the basics, right? Um, so uh, I often, often get asked this, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm really scared of a breach. How much is that going to cost me? I hear about all of those um, uh, fees that may have to be paid uh, under, the GDP, under the new GDPR regulation. And one of the key things to remember is, is that uh, it is a when and not an if discussion when it comes to breaches. And the good news is breaches are not penalized uh, by the ICO or the regulator at all. It's the non-compliance that gets penalized. So as long as you're happy and remember and have done and can audit and report on and prove that you have done everything that you said you were going to do. Remember the reporting angle of those four step, um, of this four step process I mentioned earlier, then you're good to go. Um, you have done everything. You've rectified the problem. Yes, there may have been a breach, but uh, you've done everything that you can in order to prevent it. It's not going to be penalized by the ICO. Um, so do not be afraid of this. Uh, that's, I guess, the first bit. 
The second uh, bit that you should also remember is that uh, GDPR specifically, but most regulatory compliance um, regulations um, are not like uh, industry certifications, like maybe the ISO ones, where you achieve something, get a tick box at the end of it, and then you can forget about this. I think it was the actress Joan Collins who said, um, I hate housework. In the morning, I have to get up, do the dishes, do the vacuum cleaning, make the bed, do the cooking. And then the next day, I have to do it all over again. And regulatory compliance, uh, we might laugh about it, is a bit like that as well. And if you're looking at our four-step process, it's actually more of a circle because you will always have new customers, new citizens, new employees, less employees, new projects, new products that you're marketing, right? So it's a never-ending process and you need to to be vigilant going forward as well. So I think out of the four-step process, step number one is absolutely the most critical, the most key one. So make sure that you understand what the status quo is for you, for your organization, for your department, for your merit, and uh, get that right. And again, you know, there are many organizations out there who can help you with that, Microsoft just being one of them. Uh, of course, I'd like you to come and talk to us about it, but please, you know, uh, in the interest of security around data, of uh, regulatory compliance of um, making sure that you're treating the data right and do the best things for us, for our children and other people um, that are critical and uh, seen as sensitive data. Please, please understand what you have today and what you need to do in order to move forward. Start with the basics. So, well, I mean, that's, that's a great place to end, um, apart from one other thing, which is the um, kind of you just hinted at there about coming to talk to Microsoft. So so people listening to this show and are interested in either technically what Microsoft can do in terms of compliance and the Office 365 stuff that we talked about and the things in Azure. Um, but, you know, so, so if people want to understand more about where Microsoft can help them on their compliance journey, um, where, where's a good place to come and find that? I think the best place is probably our service trust platform, uh, which can be accessed at service trust one word dot microsoft dot com or if you're specifically interested in the GDPR, uh, we have a GDPR assessment available at www.gdprbenchmark com. Okay. Uh, so you know so again they are they are great great Microsoft tools that, that probably um, are, are far well too kept secrets um, I'm, I'm guessing there. Um, and so, and, and, and Stephanie, if, if people have, uh, and I'm sure they have, have, have learned a lot from what you've said today and enjoyed what you've covered, is a way they can follow you online, find you on Twitter, or blog sites, anything like that? Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I think it's probably easiest and, and you get the easiest response from me, the fastest response from me, if you were to email me and my email address, um, and I'm giving you under the GDPR the permission to use that for any questions around <laughs> uh, technology. <laughs> Uh, 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 at Microsoft um, for GDPR purposes. Uh, you can call me or, or email me on uh, Stephanie, and that's Stephanie with an F, S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E dot Jacobs, just like the crackers, <laughs> at <laughs> Microsoft.com. Um, I am also on Twitter, and um, long story how this came to pass, the Twitter handle is at GDPR Queen. And are you going to tell us a story or is it too long? Well, uh, 
it was actually a customer of mine who suggested it when I did a, a talk around the GDPR. Um, must have been about three quarters of a year ago now. Uh, we were sort of in the, in the first stages of looking at this. I was introducing the framework and I was talking a little bit about um, how it was for me to come from quite a, a regulated um country, Germany, if you haven't picked up the accent yet, uh, into the United Kingdom, the sort of experiences I had. And uh, he basically just looked up and said, by the way, the Twitter handle at GDPR Queen is still available. You should take it. I told my boss and my boss kind of made me. <laughs> take on uh, uh, that particular uh, moniker uh, for my Twitter uh, communications. Um, so, yes, please do let me know if you've got any questions. I will be absolutely happy uh, uh, to support you on your journey or give you some advice. Um, but do remember, I am not a lawyer. Um, and uh, otherwise, I would probably get paid more. But uh, uh, other than that, uh, I'm happy to give you my views or chat with you uh, uh, around maybe what other customers are doing in that space as well nice definitely a lot thanks for that i think that's been a, a fascinating episode i'm sure everybody listening will have um, will have learned an awful lot from it and um so so thanks for joining us thanks for giving us your time we'll speak to you soon thank you very much i hope you enjoyed that for show notes pop over to techstringy.com we'll also find all of our previous tech interviews episodes and while on techstringy.com why not check out a blog post about a challenge that myself and mrs techstringy are taking on to raise money for the marie curie charity here in the uk and if you enjoyed the show and want to catch more episodes, then why not subscribe? You can find us in all the usual places on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. So, until next time, thanks for listening.